listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Bauckham, and this is the Save the Marriage podcast. This is the podcast designed to help you save your marriage, even if you haven't found a crisis yet, but especially if you're in the midst of a crisis. And right now, I've been talking about your questions. I've been answering the questions that you've submitted. If you're interested in doing that, you can send it to me at podcast at savethemarriage.com. That's podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, at savethemarriage.com. I'm looking for that kind of that Goldilocks uh, question. That's the one that applies to lots of people, but it's ones that I haven't covered before, or it's fairly specific. So if it's very broad, in other words, if you say, hey, how do I save my relationship? I'm going to refer you to my Save the Marriage system. That's what the whole, it's, it's like a whole platform, a whole program designed to help you do that. If you're so specific, though, that it only applies to you, that's a coaching question. We can still help with that. We've got coaches on staff. I do coaching myself. I've got a special uh, virtual coaching program that all can uh, be ways to get those uh, questions answered. But it, this is a podcast that goes to people around the world. We're right at 3 million downloads of um, my uh, podcast over the years. And uh, so 3 million people around the world have been listening to this. And I want to make sure it applies to lots of people. And that brings us to today's topic. We're talking about affairs. Last time I talked about separation and I warned you I'd be coming to this topic. And so I want to answer a number of questions that I've gotten about affairs. We'll see how far we get. I always try to make sure that the episode you're listening to is something that you could actually finish while you're taking a walk or maybe doing an exercise program or taking a drive to work or wherever it is that you find yourself. And because of that, I limit how long it's going to go unless it is an interview. And so when I do a rare interview for Save the Marriage, you know, that goes a little bit longer. But here you and I get to have this conversation about the questions that you have. It's kind of fun to be doing this in the sense that I get to hear from you, right? I mean, this is a tough topic. So it's, this is not like a fun podcast. You don't go to this podcast to get a laugh or, or anything else. You get to this podcast because you want some help, and I'm here to do that. But it's a challenge to answer your questions. Last time we uh, talked, I was on my back porch enjoying the outside, Today, we went from summer to fall in just a short amount of time, and so today I'm inside, and uh, part of the reason is because uh, it's gotten a lot cooler, but the other reason is because it is loud outside. There is so much stuff going on, and you know, it's interesting to me that there are the times when everything around us is just closing in on us, right? And it's so loud, and, and there's so many voices yelling at us that we've got to figure out what we're going to listen to, and that's the same when you listen to advice. So I'm um, I thank you for being here and listening to my advice, listening to my thoughts. And so, uh, first of all, let me say a kind of a broad statement about us as we talk about affairs. Um, I have written a book on how to recover from affairs. If you're not familiar with it, the name of it is Recovering from the Affair. I try not to be uh, real super, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, creative with my, my topics and my titles because I want you to know what they're about. That book is about how to recover from physical affairs and emotional affairs. And you can find that by going to theaffairbook.com, theaffairbook.com. 
So that takes care of a number of questions that came through. It's just general, how do we get through this? What we want to talk about here are kind of your specific questions and some that might have a different take. For instance, I've got one uh, that talks about um, the fact that there had been a cold relationship. And then um, this uh, listener found out about three months ago that his wife was uh, having multiple and what he called cyber affairs with nude pictures and erotic videos, in some cases an emotional affair. He says she's not currently uh, remorseful and about what she's done and is still doing it um, and has been caught lying about it on multiple occasions. And she's, he says, I know you've covered physical and emotional affairs before, but I feel this is kind of in the middle. She's constantly glued to her phone and will exit the room whether we are at home or out with the family so that she can, quote, use the bathroom. Could you do a podcast on this, please? Uh, so this is a, a an interesting topic because, you know, what happens in these uh, relationships is that they, they are purely fantasy. Rarely do people who are exchanging these videos have an intention of meeting. There, there are some occasions where that's uh, it's different, where the, the actual the website is set up to help with that connection and, and the link up. And, uh, and a lot of times, though, that's not what this is about. A lot of times people are trying to fulfill their fantasy world here. And so it's, they're able in some ways to play out a fantasy, have a fantasy partner with no risk, at least as they see it, because there's no risk in anything actually happening. And so there's this safe place for them to kind of play around in their mind. And is it dangerous? Absolutely, because... Affairs by their nature divert energy away from the relationship and towards another relationship. It's building bonds even if people don't realize it. And that's the thing. When I, when I say it's safe, I put that in quotes because what happens is they're leaking off energy that ought not to be going somewhere, and they're creating a bond. It's interesting. I read uh, an article just the other day about this person who uh, had been in somewhat of a dead relationship, and and she just kind of bumped into this person who caught her attention at a coffee shop. They never did anything other than bump into each other at the coffee shop, but she realized that she was getting her kind of her charge out of that, and that charge was disrupting the charge that was in her relationship or missing from her relationship. It kind of gave her a reprieve from the loss of the relationship. And so in the process of having a, a hurting marriage, instead of focusing the energy on the relationship, she was getting her fix, right? She was getting her hit of excitement and a fantasy from that outside source. And so it's kind of like that with this uh, person. So you know, that's the, the background of it. Um, and so what do you do about that? Well, first you do confront and, uh, and, and let me just say, I don't condone people, uh, playing detective. I don't think it ever puts you in a good place to play detective in your life because you're, you're either going to be playing that detective or you're going to be working on the connection. If you're, if you're acting as the detective, you're not going to be able to work on the connection much. But if there is something that is inevitably in front of your face, absolutely, you say, hey, this is concerning to me. I'm, I'm concerned about what this could do to you down the road and also concerned about what it means in our relationship. And I would love it if we could uh, have some agreements on how we protect our relationship. Um, that is uh, kind of the, the place of that cyber affair is to recognize that generally speaking, these affairs are fantasy fulfillments. And then the question is, what's missing that's being answered by that? What, what's been missing from that? 
and to see if you can work towards rebuilding that. Um, so I know that's a kind of a broad uh, answer to this, but that there wasn't a whole lot of places, uh, specific questions about that. I just wanted to make sure I, I uh, did talk about that. So the next one is about what do you do if you're the betrayed spouse and an ongoing affair is exposed, but the spouse is not willing or ready to end it, even though the marriage has seen significant improvement and reconnection. And this raises uh, a tough place for most people because you have to make a choice. Are you going to let that relationship be the ender of your relationship? And there are people who will say, that they will not continue their marriage if there is that outside relationship. They're not going to do that. And so this is one of those where it really is an individual choice. I will tell you from my experience that I've seen people walk away what I think were salvageable relationships, and I've also seen people continue to work on a relationship that is so entrenched in that affair that it's not likely to turn from it. And the tough thing is figuring out which is which. So we all have a line we draw of what we're willing to put up with. It's, everybody has that, uh, what we're willing to move through, what we're willing to uh, decide that's too much. That's your own individual choice to get to, to make that line. And so if you still continue to want to work on that, if you, if you know that the affair is going on and you see improvement in the relationship and you want to see what you can do beyond that to whether there's a way to, to get beyond that, my suggestion is that you defocus on the affair and refocus on the connection. So just briefly, I'm not going to go too far into this because it is covered in my book, but there is a core feature of why affairs happen. There are two parts to it. Generally speaking, and there are a few exceptions, there are more pathological uh, types of affairs, but in your normal affair, kind of, I, I hate to say run-of-the-mill affair, but you know the ones that most people um, are engaged in, there are two parts to it. The first is that there is disconnection in the relationship. Remember, as many times as I've said it, we humans are wired for connection. We need that. When we are lacking that connection, it creates a physical pain and and, and, uh, it hits a a same place in our brain that shows physical pain. So it feels physical. It's not just emotional. It's not just psychological. It feels physical. It's, It's painful. People have a craving for that connection. And because of that, when we are in disconnection, we start having uh, that, that level of emotional, psychological, and physical pain. We start trying to figure out what to do with that. Which leads us to the second thing that is true when there's an affair, and that is a lack of boundaries. A boundary is how you protect a relationship. We have our individual boundaries that I've talked about, but there are also relational boundaries, the places where you agree that you're not going to step beyond And the agreement may be with yourself, it may be with your spouse, but there's a place where you say, I will protect the relationship by avoiding this. I will, for instance, not have uh, conversations about my relationship with somebody else. I will not, for instance, be in a potentially compromising position with somebody else. I will not, for instance, exchange emotions with somebody with whom I have attraction. I mean, there are lots of ways you can create those boundaries, and it's important for couples to have that conversation early in the relationship. 
long before there's anything going on because you exercise those boundaries and the more you exercise them, the stronger they get and the stronger they get, the more capable we are of maintaining them. So those two pieces are the ingredients of what happens in an affair. First of all, there's a lack of connection that creates a threat to the relationship. And then there's a lack of boundaries and that is where it happens. So in a, an affair relationship and in a marriage that is disrupted by affair, recognize that both people are part of the disconnected relationship. That doesn't mean that the person who suffers the affair is responsible. It just means that both people were part of a disconnected relationship. But then one person, the one who acts out, is fully responsible for not having protected the relationship, for not having held the boundaries that are important to protect a relationship. So while both of you are in a disconnected relationship, one person chose not to honor the boundaries, not protect the boundaries. But if we track back, both people are responsible for that disconnection. And so if you decide to work on the relationship, then you kind of sidestep the affair and continue to work to rebuild the connection. If you can rebuild the connection, then that affair in some ways becomes irrelevant in terms of the lack of connection. At that point, you're talking about the chemistry that's there, the um, uh, ways that people often get a charge out of that, uh, the attraction, uh, the crush of it. Uh, there are lots of ways of describing that, but um, you know, that's the level that is left over. So a lot of times the infatuation that comes with an affair is part of what is a major disruptor for the marital relationship because what they're doing is comparing the infatuation feeling with the feeling of the long-term disconnected relationship. And that's when they confuse it with love. So what do you do? To answer your question, what do you do? That depends on whether you say, I'm not willing to try. If you say, I'm not willing to try, then you've already kind of answered that piece. If you decide to work on it, and my assumption is that if you're still listening to this podcast, you're still wanting to work on it, then you decide to set aside the relationship in your own mind, that affair in your own mind, and work on rebuilding the connection. At some point, it is uh, fair to continue to ask the question, uh, would you be willing to let go of that relationship to rebuild? But that's a choice they make. That's not one you can control. So control what you can, and that is your reactions, that is your responses, and that is your reaching out for rebuilding and connecting. Okay, so um, then I had a question about how you navigate uh, the contact with an uh, emotional affair partner uh, when there is continuing connection. So this person says, uh, my husband had an emotional affair with a good friend who was my best friend a decade before. Um, and she says, I'd asked them not to hang out and, because I saw it coming, but my husband continued to do that because of the disconnection it was there. Um, and there's some uh, family issues going on. And so then uh, at some point, the relationship uh, became uh, an emotional affair. And here's the problem. The question is, how do you navigate the sticky web when infidelity involves a best friend and the intertwined family and the friend tentacles of repair that are overwhelmingly complicated? This is a tough one. 
um, because the affair, the emotional affair, was had with uh, a uh, a friend of the family. Okay, so this is where it gets a little bit tricky. If it is a physical affair, my advice is that you cut off all contact whenever possible, if ever possible, you have no further contact with that person, which means that if it's in a job situation, that maybe the job has to be changed. It's if in a social circle situation, you have to change social circles. And yes, that's tough, right? But that is the um, kind of the, the fallout, the consequences of that behavior. And so while that is very difficult and very painful, I think it's very necessary with a physical affair. But this is a bit different because it's an emotional affair. Here's the thing about an emotional affair. It's hard for people to get their heads around it until they look back on it. Here's why. A lot of times people who are involved in physical affair or emotional affairs believe it is just a friendship. And so they'll talk about how it's, how it's just a friendship and you're reading too much into it and there's nothing there and uh, it's completely safe. It's just a friendship. So they often talk about the good friend. The problem is they are using emotional energy that needs to be in the relationship and taking it outside of the marriage. More than that, they often are conspiring around the relationship. They start having conversations about the relationship. There is also the level of attraction that's there. But people usually slowly fall into that, not realizing it's happening. Maybe they reach out for some support at a point of disconnection, which is kind of the case here. Maybe uh, they think that they are trying to get some good advice, and slowly they find themselves more and more trapped in a relationship where they both need that contact to provide something for them. That's the problem It's hard to identify right off the bat. And secondarily, here's the problem for you of how much intertwining there is in the family. So if this had been a physical affair, if there had been an actual physical affair between your husband and your former best friend, I would say that you're going to have to navigate how to take that web apart. This is a different question, though. You'll have to decide whether you're able to forgive both whether they are able to create the boundaries and particularly your husband is able to create a very clear boundary and hold to it to somehow make it manageable to be in that relationship again. You may not, he may not. This would require both of you to be very clear that you're going to be able to move to a level of forgiveness um, of the mistake that they made. Uh, And whether if you feel that it's intentional, that's a different matter. But generally, these emotional affairs are unintentional. They people stumble into them uh, unexpectedly. So can you see that place where there was room for the pain? And I think you can because you've already written about that. And can you find a place to forgive? Now, you can be very clear that this person doesn't have to be your best friend anymore. I think you're already clear about that, but that that for you is a place that you can't restore it to that level. Can you restore it to the point where you can be in the same place and have your husband in that same place and feel safe with that? That's a big question you'll have to answer, and it really is a question of the level of forgiveness you think you can achieve. And then the second question is your husband's interactions. 
um, at some level, there is a need to discuss how to make those interactions completely matter-of-factly and only when necessary. He doesn't have to be cold or mean. He does have to be clear and keep his emotional life out of that. If that's possible, then you can continue to have uh, that uh, person in your web. But if it's not possible, then we're at a different level of asking the question, why can they not do that and what needs to happen in order to facilitate that? So a little bit different uh, response since it's an emotional affair that happened than uh, an actual, uh, a physical affair. So I just want to make you understand that, which brings us to stay on the whole idea of uh, an emotional affair. What about an unadmitted emotional affair? You say, how should a spouse deal with the other spouse having, while denying it exists, a too close relationship with a coworker? When asked, he downplays the issue and or becomes angry and ultimately accuses the spouse of having a trust slash jealousy uh, problem. Um, this is probably one of the biggest difficult points at the beginning um, of the identification of an emotional affair is getting the person who's having it to see it. And what ends up happening is you're spending a lot of time uh, trying to convince and to uh, kind of um, point the finger at them so that they can see it. it. It ends up putting you in a very parental place. Do you know that place where the parent is trying to convince the child they did right when the, or did wrong when a child is convinced they did right? I mean, that's kind of the place you are. And so what do people do when they feel accused of something they can't yet see? They get defensive. And they react and they uh, claim that it's not the case. And that's the place where you are. So there is the question for you of what awareness he has. I mean, how does he claim that relationship? And to ask the question, if you feel that I have a trust issue, if you feel like I have a jealousy issue, would you be willing to convince me of that by showing me all the communications you have with that person? And by letting me know when that communication happens. And if he says, no, I will not, the answer is, why would that be a threat? Tell me a little bit about why that is a threat. And because if, if you're trying to be clear that it's a clear relationship, right? If you're trying to convince me of that, it seems that it would be okay to prove that. And if you're not willing to prove it, it makes me wonder what's going on. Now, what I want to be clear about here is how tricky these emotional affairs are. People rarely can see them in action. Most people who are involved in emotional affairs can only identify them in hindsight. When they realize, when it's kind of like you know, you're, you're so close to something you can't see it, and then you back away a little bit, you get a little distance from it, and you, you can identify it, but you can identify it at the point. Think about it as uh, you're walking around with a pair of glasses on and somebody's trying to tell you that you're seeing uh, things through you know, a, uh, a red pair of glasses, right? You're, you're looking at the rose-colored glasses. And you don't even know you have the glasses on, so you can't see it. But someday, one day, you reach up and you go, oh, what are these? You pull them off and you see the world in a different light, different coloration, like true coloration. And you go, oh, my gosh, I had those glasses on. So many times people can only see it in retrospect, understand that, and, and it's part of how our mind fools ourselves because we're going, it's not an affair, I haven't done anything, I haven't touched them, I haven't kissed them, I haven't hugged them, I haven't had sex with them, I haven't done anything in their category of affair. And yet, 
they are allowing the energy that should be within the marriage to, to exit the marriage. So the first thing that I would suggest is that conversation I just talked about. The second is, to bring us back to the beginning of this conversation, to grab my book. Here's the way I designed the book. First of all, it gives you some very clear understandings of what happens in these affairs. It covers both physical affairs and emotional affairs. It talks about how they're fueled, how they're kept going. It talks about why they are dangerous, and it talks some about what they look like. And it's designed so that both people can work through the book. So the next step is to say, okay, if you feel very confident that this is not a dangerous relationship, would you be willing to go through a book with me so that we both understand and have the same knowledge base? It's a simple request. You each read the book, talk about it, discuss it, and he can decide whether he sees something different. It's sometimes the book helps people to kind of take off the glasses to see it very differently. The reason I like that approach is because it's a very simple approach, right? It doesn't require proof of anything. It doesn't require uh, going through uh, all of the old texts and emails and all of that. It only requires a person to agree to go through this silly book that isn't going to matter because it doesn't apply to them, but just agree to that. If they think it doesn't apply, what would it hurt to go through it? All that happens at the end of it is they have a little more information that didn't apply, or it may help them to see the space, to see the difference, to see the color glasses that they have on at that point and how that needs to change. Okay, so let me talk one more time about that book. It's a very simple book. Um, it is laid out very clearly. The name of the book is Recovering from the Affair, and it's how to recover from physical and emotional affairs. Recovering from the Affair, and the way to get to it is to go to theaffairbook.com, theaffairbook.com. It does come in both uh, written versions and uh, downloadable, so a printed version or an ebook version, uh, Kindle version, and you can, so you can put it on your Kindle. Nobody even knows what you're reading when you put it on a Kindle, or you can uh, grab a couple of copies, one for each of you, and uh, each read it separately any way you want to do it. My suggestion is that you do that. So that a book applies for anyone who's going through uh, uh, an affair, whether they're having the affair. I have a whole chapter on what to do if you've had the affair. If you suffered the affair, I have a whole chapter on what you do if you suffered the affair. I talk about uh, why it gets fueled, why there are such issues with that, and how to move through the process of healing. So very important, find it at theaffairbook.com. Uh, we have arrived at the end of the time that I like to allot for a single session. So we'll come back in the next episode and talk more about affairs, uh, more answering of your questions. And if you've got questions, shoot them to me, podcast at savethemarriage.com. And I wish you the best as you continue work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.